Hello, Henley Grace. Okay. Well. Well. Well is right. Okay. Hi, Mama. 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 And your favorite host, Doug Hainer. Oh my gosh, Douglas. Self-proclaimed. You are something Amazing. else. Well, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I like, you're crazy. <laughs> so did you watch Married at First Sight? And spoiler alert. Whoa. If you haven't watched the reunion, pause. Awesome. Pause. Spoiler alert. Because we're definitely going to talk about it because, oh my God. You know, I think that people say every single time, oh, this is the most dramatic season. Usually they say that with The Bachelor, but mm-hmm. like they always say that for every show. This probably was the most dramatic reunion yeah, ever. Don't yeah, you think so? Four very unique stories. And it seems like each season there's always the lovey couple and the couple that doesn't really get along too well. And the other couple that's kind of just like, not so much the boring couple, but the ones that are just like, <laughs> oh, let's couple. get to know each other and work through the process and da di da di da yeah. This this had some this had some winners. But I'm just gonna jump straight to the point. The thing that had my jaw on the floor was Kate calling Luke out for being a closet gay. I don't think that it was a calling out. If he's closeted, like it's just really sad that we don't live in a society that is just okay with it. And you know, I understand some people just aren't comfortable coming out. Like it's a huge major decision and it's something that I can never imagine. And it's something that makes me extremely sad that the world is still this way. But I was hoping that this wasn't going to be a bash session on Luke because it very well could have been. And the reunion kind of took a little bit of that turn. But what what caught my attention was the first night that they're together, right? They have sex and they get intimate and then it almost seemed like Luke started acting weird and and it was like Kate just said something and all of a sudden Luke's first question was what do you think I'm homosexual <laughs> what where how did that even get prompted well first of all let's paint a picture for those who may not be watching Married at First Sight so Kate right. and Luke are on this season of Married at First Sight and this is their reunion and they had been lying the whole entire season saying that they were only kissing and Luke said after they quote unquote kissed, which was, it turns out they actually had had sex. Luke said to his wife, Kate, I feel dead inside. I am repulsed by you. And for me, I just want to stop right there because for me, if a dude said that to me, I would be like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. okay, well, you don't get me then. And I would not have sex with him again. I'm going to have Kate, we are going to have Kate on this podcast. I promise you guys, I've actually got to (laughs) talk to her about it. And I've talked to our PR, I've talked to everybody and we're going to have Kate on here because I want to talk to her from her perspective. I yeah. want to like get behind the the curtain a little bit, like, you know, just really talk to her about like her perspective. And honestly, I kind of want to have Luke on and get yeah. his perspective. Here is someone that I think wanted the process to work and wanted Kate. and yeah, Kate. And I think Kate fell into the, you know, the, we got matched for a reason and you trust the experts and you're there and, and you know you're going to be with this person for a little bit, especially through the experiment. As a guy, I've gone through some very, very dark times and even in college, like there was some very 
unattractive people that I was around and with. And I don't think that I ever felt dead inside or repulsed so, by well, this is getting what... intimate with a girl. And okay. let's also take a step back. They weren't necessarily lying about not having sex. Turned out that Luke had asked her to not say anything about them having sex. It was just going to be them being intimate and kissing and, and Kate wanted to respect her husband's wishes. Yeah, which honestly, I'm fine with that. That's not a big deal. The The issue that I have is that what happened in her brain? What did he say or do mm-hmm. that made her feel like, oh, I feel safe, you know, in his arms? And, and how was she even turned on by him? Because if you flat out rejected me like that, or if, I don't know, like I think I would, maybe that's just me always yeah. having a guard up. I would be like, F you then, dude, out. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So that's why I'm going to have Kate on and ask her myself because that's a question that I'm just dying to know. Yeah. But also... Everybody's a little bit different. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, you can have sex without emotion. You can have just physical intimacy and be totally okay with it. Yeah. And, I don't know a lot of people who do that. Do yeah. you? Yeah. You do? I mean, I went through sometimes there where it was just physical. For you? Yeah. Anybody that's had a one-night stand, that's part of it. Well, I've never had a one-night stand. That's yeah. the truth. <laughs> I guess I'm just different. I know that Luke's reaction to Kate and what he said to her is not cool. I do not think he's cool, not even a little bit. I would tell him that myself. I have said that to him on Unfiltered. <laughs> but playing devil's advocate and honestly just kind of looking at it as an outsider looking in, and if he really is a closet gay, I don't know why, but my heart kind of breaks for him a little bit. Yeah. Like it, And it certainly breaks for Kate too. No, one, no woman should ever be treated that way. Like I love her resilience on, on the reunion because that sparkle is really back she in really, her eye. And yeah. she was like, oh no, totally you're going to answer these questions and you're not going to lie. And if you do lie, I'm going to call you out on the lies. Yeah. She was on fire. Yeah. But if he is truly a closet gay, I got to tell you, my heart goes out to him because I couldn't imagine what that's like to be attracted to your same gender and to know that the whole, well, not the whole world, but a lot of the world will judge you for it. See, I I don't know. I'm I'm starting to lean towards that he's not gay. I just think he... He might be confused. His reaction to everything. Why would he have on Facebook that he likes men then? I mean, if he really truly. That's not a joke. And it's, it's not. But, you know, when you are, I mean, if he's true to his word, if you are 18 and like, I, I don't know if my Facebook status is married. I'm sure it does. It does say married. You know, but like it was something that I, I wasn't conscious about, but it's no coincidence though. I mean, the, the fact that that's his first reaction was, uh, do you think I'm homosexual? Kate's first reaction was, and I'm sure it wasn't just her saying like, oh no, I think you might be gay. It's that they've obviously had similar friend circles. They've been around and that it, it almost seemed like she started to bring up the fact that she's had friends, acquaintances, people that have reached out to her to say that Luke may not like women. You know, maybe he's bisexual. It's irrelevant. It's just so sad because it almost seems like if he's not, then you can tell that he's been picked on his whole life because yeah. of it. Because if that's his first reaction, that is a self-conscious individual. Well, and, we all know he's self-conscious at this but, point. But for that to be your first reaction to, you know, someone saying, well, are, are you okay? And then all of a sudden without prompt saying, well, well, what do you think? I'm homosexual. Like that wouldn't be like my first reaction. If you were to say like, oh, are you okay? would be like, yeah, just give me five minutes. It's just a thing and I'll get right back up. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's happened. Oh my gosh, Douglas. But sometimes you don't get right back up, but that is neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's just the fact that if this was like the hot topic, because I called Luke a dick and I think that he just didn't know the right way to handle things. And he's not a great person to explain himself. And he completely avoided every relevant question during that reunion. He didn't answer anything straight, <laughs> not a play on words there. But it seemed like he had an opportunity to explain himself. He had an opportunity to justify what his thoughts were. He had an opportunity to, to kind of just give the public an idea of who he is and where he was coming from. And, and why. I, and I felt like he just didn't, didn't do it at all. Which honestly, once again, goes to show that he is a hurt soul. Something, I don't know what it is, but something inside him is really hurt and mm-hmm. broken. Either that or he's he a gets, sociopath. Yeah, well, especially if he gets sad after. He's either a sociopath or he is a really hurt, broken soul. And I'd like to think that, I mean, I don't think he's a sociopath. I have met him, but I I haven't been married to him. Let's just lighten it up a little bit because Steph and AJ, first of all, probably this is like kind of a lot to throw out there for me because I've met every single person who's ever done Married at First Sight. And it might be too early to say this because I don't know Stephanie that well, but I feel like as much as I do know her, she's the kind of girl that I would be like best friends with. They come off as two individuals that are, were ready to be married. They really knew what, what they wanted and who they were and they knew you know, what they saw themselves being with. And I, I just like how AJ just wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, AJ is he just, yeah. no filter. Yeah, he's, uh, I, I like him. But you know what I like the most is that when everyone was looking at because they do have a lot of chemistry. They're probably mm-hmm. like the most likable couple as far as like it, their season. And although Keith and Christine are super likable as well, mm-hmm. you know, they're very likable. And, and and so when Kate said, you know, like I, I was just, I was just so jealous, but like she was like envious of the fact that they had a nice romantic relationship and mm-hmm. AJ really protected his wife. And, and you it know, was respecting. Yeah. But just, I think envious of the fact that they're even together still and still happy together. And Stephanie, I just love her response because this is the truth of the matter is sure, you know, they have a great relationship, but that's not like they got lucky. They worked their tails off for that. And Doug, I feel like the same for us. Like people yeah. seem to think that, I don't know what they think, but they think we have like this fairy I think tale. People, I think people know the work that we put in. Well, our friends you know. know the truth. Well, and, and because, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, there was no question that there wasn't the initial chemistry. Like it wasn't like a well, rocket talk about ship us had now. gone off, but well, no, what I'm saying, because I, I had wrote that too when I was watching the episode was it's the first couple that has come on to a reunion show and didn't just say, oh, things are great and we're doing this. Like they were, they were ones that said we worked our tails off for it. And that's, yeah. that's the longevity part of Married at First Sight is the working part because it's easy to fall in love on the show. It, it's easy to fall into that comfortability because you're talking about everything and then but once the cameras stop and once you're moving in with somebody and once you actually have to share the life and share a schedule and there's a lot of work that needs to happen because you have to reconnect in a different way. Yes. Okay. I'm Will and Jasmine. <laughs> it seems to me that she was still willing to give him a chance and mm-hmm. Will now. You mean during the experiment? No, I'm saying right there oh, when no. Kevin was like, what do you mean? No. She said no. She Will said, said hey. but at, before before he said, maybe in two years I'd date you, then she said no. But before that, she wanted Will to answer because she wanted to see what he was going to yeah, say. Because he's never been forthcoming about what what his type is. He's never he's never given any hint or or anything to me anyway that he was into Jasmine at all. But I, I just, love that she knows she's a beautiful woman. Yeah. And she just flat out said it. She's like, 
I'm a beautiful woman. I just think that she wanted she wanted more of an explanation because I don't think Will gave her a chance, to be honest. You know what's really strange is when I first, I don't know if you had this, but you guys that listening, I don't know if you had the same feeling when you first watched Will and Jasmine, but they were someone I pegged to last a long, long time. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I just had this like feeling in my gut. So I guess my gut lied to me, which sucks, <laughs> but <laughs> thought I could trust my gut. Thanks a lot, yeah. gut. One other thing I, that I wanted to ask you about was with Will and because of the time span with Married at First Sight, do you think that he waited too long to get a connection? Meaning, do you think that he just wanted to take the process as it normally would be, not thinking that there was eight weeks that they had together? Like you kind of have to speed it up a little bit. Yeah, but you can't speed up chemistry. You can't speed up, you can't force romance. Like these are things that you can't account for when it comes to putting two strangers together. And he clearly didn't have an attraction to her. And that's a bummer, but, and you can't force that. So that's, I don't think he could have. I don't think it would have been a, a force though, because I, I didn't see him wanting to please Jasmine. I didn't see him saying, you know what? I crave this mental and emotional sort of intimacy. Like that turns me on. But if that was the case, I would step a little bit out of my comfort zone and say, you know what? I'm going to go to Jasmine's side. And that's why why I don't think he was into her from the beginning though. Yeah. He wasn't into her clearly, which is, you know what? That's okay because there's someone who is going to really love Jasmine for Jasmine and someone who's going to really love Will for Will. And if they're really not passionate about each other, then by all means, please do get a divorce because why would you spend your life with someone who's not truly madly, deeply in love with you or that you're not completely compatible with? That's the point of the show that was growing after. Yeah. You have go through an awful lot of self-growth and I'm sure that they both came out of this learning so much more about themselves and mm-hmm. who they who they are, who they want in a yeah. partner. Real fast, Keith and Christine, there wasn't a whole lot about them, to be <laughs> honest, right? Like they yeah. seem pretty happy. They He is going to finish school. No one wants to have babies. I think that, I don't know, I, I kind of felt this similarity between he and I. Yeah, in the sense that I think people's perception of him or maybe it wasn't so much of a perception or a concern that he wasn't mature enough. He couldn't like grow to be a man for How for what Christine. How do you feel like you relate that to that? Well, because people saw me as not maybe immature. I mean, I I definitely. I don't think people saw you moment. as that, Doug. People that know me, it's it's a test to wanting to make things work, and she demanded certain things from. Him. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he stepped up to the plate. She made him a better man already. And, you know, I'd like to think that yeah. I made you a better man. Yeah. Already. And, yeah. And I think that I made me a better man too. <laughs> and I made me a better woman. <laughs> okay, I made myself a good woman too. That was a really good reunion. They've already began the weddings in Charlotte. That's I, nuts. That I hope that's not insider. That is insider information. I guess people don't probably know that, but they're casting in Washington D.C. right now. So if you're in Washington D.C. listening to this and you want to find a partner who hopefully you will have some sort of chemistry with, mm-hmm. because then that's when you know you have the you know you hit the jackpot. And you want to be a future guest on Hot Marriage School Parents? Then sign up for Married at First Sight. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, seriously, they're casting in Washington D.C. and they're like within like the, the weddings have already been done in Charlotte. That's so. awesome. 
Yeah. So we're going to meet new couples. As a matter of fact, I start to fly out next month to shoot unfiltered. So nice. I can't, so we're already, I mean, these guys just had their reunion and we're already mm. on to the next couple. Well, and before we have our guest on today, I do want to get to the reviews from you. And because we promised that we would give you a shout out uh, when you post about the show and please continue to subscribe to the channel, follow us on social media, reach out. We read every comment. What I wanted to do though, before we read a review on there, I just wanted to say, I'm curious to hear from you about our recap on the reunion. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And did we drone on? And do you like that type of a recap? I I genuinely want to know because we can keep it concise. We can go into more detail. We are very knowledgeable about this. And if we hit our mic while we're talking, speaking of mics also, I want to let you know that you know, we were recently in Los Angeles and our mics are all of our podcasts we brought out there with us because we obviously, we love to record these right. weekly. So our mics were left in the luggage at the airport. Yay. So we had a scheduled interview with our guest who's on now and we purposefully did not record the intro um, at the same time because we did not have our mics. So his audio sounds amazing, but our audio sounds like we're like different. It sounds like we're like, I don't know, in a sewer or something. <laughs> so speaking of <laughs> reviews, please don't rush to the reviews and be like, oh, their audio is terrible. We get it. We know our mics are not, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't have our mics for this, for this interview, but I hope you still enjoy it. I feel like the content, I feel like what he has to offer, he's the CEO of a company called Lasting and they have done amazing work at helping couples in their marriages. Mm-hmm. And he's really passionate about it. And oh he takes gosh. a scientific approach to it. But he makes it easy. Like it's only five minute, easy. you know, counseling sessions basically. But I'm going to let him come on and explain yeah. it. And before we do that though, like Doug said, like truly, we absolutely love getting to hear from you, our listener. We want to get to know you because I mean, that's the whole reason why we started this podcast is so we could actually like connect to you in a bit more of an intimate way, like right in your earbuds, like right in your car, right while you're working out, whatever it is that you're doing. We want to we want to get to know you. So East Coast Mom 25. East side. East side, what's up? Thank you for your review. She said, absolutely love both of you. I have been a fan of yours since day one. Can't believe it's been five years already since you married at first sight. Love following your journey and the awesome guests you bring on the show. Yeah, I'm so glad you like them. That's really good feedback. Thank you. Can't wait to meet both of you someday. That's right. I can't, you know what, Doug? I was thinking today, I want to do a meet and greet. I want to do it in cities that where we know we'll like have, you know, people actually show up. You know, it'd be fun if we tried to do a live Oh, that would be so fun. I don't think we could draw enough of a crowd though to have that. I don't know either. I guess maybe we can make up a crowd. Honestly, even if, remember that one time I did a book signing and only one person came? No, it was like three. No, there was like three. But still, I mean, I did a book signing and three people We pretended people we came. were just shopping after a while. I was like, um, is anyone coming? Jamie's book was in stores because we left it there. Doug, <laughs> you're a jerk. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, so even if there is only three of you <laughs> listening to this podcast, which is not true, I know there's thousands of you, thank you all, but even if there's only three of you who come, I still want to, you know, meet you and get to know you. So please, if you're listening right now and you have a minute or if you're able to take a screenshot of the podcast or take a selfie and tag us, I'm at Jamie and Otis and the podcast page is hot marriage, cool parents yeah. at, at hot marriage, cool parents. And that way I'll be able to see it or like leave a comment, what, however you want to connect. I want to get to know you too. Doug does too, but he's just not yes. as active as I am. 
Just say it like it is. No, but I, li- I like all the comments and I like, I, I do like getting to know. I, I see very familiar handles. Yeah, no, now I, I've become friends we with know a who few. They are, yeah. I, like, I legitimately have exchanged phone numbers now with a few friends that are just like, we have like the best community of women. Doug's told me to wrap it up. I just, I could talk about you yeah, forever. We know. I really genuinely love, you know what? I when know. you get support <laughs> and love and encouragement, from a complete stranger who turns into be a friend, who turns into be a true friend. That's pretty awesome. It is. Okay. We'll get Steve on the podcast. Without now. further ado. I'm, we say that every time. Can we stop saying without further ado? Okay. With no further ado. With no further ado, here's Steve and our crappy audio. So my name's Steve. My wife and I and our new nine-month-old daughter live in New York City. I've been calling myself an entrepreneur, but I don't, I don't actually think that's true anymore. An entrepreneur has to always be doing something new and exciting. And I feel like I've found my dream company and I never want to do anything else but grow it and nurture it and make sure it's great and helps millions of couples. And that company is called Lasting. And I'm very thankful we've become the number one relationship counseling app in America. We've helped a little under a million couples to date and we're just getting started. I was running product management at The Knot where we love user-centered design. And so I interviewed well over 100 couples about their wedding planning journey. But what came out of those interviews was completely unexpected. It's that during wedding planning itself, you need relationship therapy because it's so stressful. And then what also happened was that the subtext of a lot of those conversations, the majority of couples in America don't understand the work it takes to build a healthy marriage after you get married. So I ended up putting in my two weeks notice at The Knot to go build a new marriage brand. And when I did that, it just triggered a set of events I never could have predicted. But the CEO at the time, we put a two-hour meeting slot on my calendar to delve into everything. And it was there that I realized he told me for the first time ever that this was like his secret project was that he was funding on the side that the knot could somehow lower America's divorce rate because they touched so many couples. And it was just this deeply, deeply serendipitous moment that changed my wife's and my life because then the knot just backed the whole thing. They said, we want to make your dream come true. So let's do it. <laughs> incredible. I always like to remember that story because I always call my wife my unofficial board member, but she had agreed to stay at a job she hated, not hated, but just was really fed up with it because, you know, entrepreneurs are struggling and starving. And so she was like, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to sacrifice for you to do this. Her sacrifice led to the not doing this deal with me, which led to her being able to leave her job. And now she's a doula which she loves. I think my MO is that I love designing very simple things to help people with real problems. To help people with real problems, you don't need to over-engineer and build the most complex thing. I mean, we've even validated that a simple text message delivered to you on a daily basis actually improves your marriage. <laughs> so like, I'm talking really simple stuff, and that's what makes my heart leap, and that's what I want to spend my life doing. So there's this trend, as you probably know, self-care. Yes. And we kind of, as a company, like to flip it on its head a little bit, yeah. because contrary to popular belief, This thing called independence and developing your sense of self really stems out of a healthy relationship with another person. In fact, when your relationship isn't healthy, you find yourself putting on all these false layers. We hear the phrase all the time like, oh, I was just doing this to make this person happy. I was doing this to keep the relationship intact. But that's actually adding lots of false layers to your sense of self. And only out of a healthy marriage do you actually come into who you are. So that's like my big soapbox these days. I think it brings up a a good point with the definition of compromise in some people Mm. where, you know, I think there's a a layer or I guess there's a blended mixture of, is this a compromise or is this a sacrifice? Mm. And a lot of couples don't necessarily talk about, or at least that's my personal take on it because I wasn't the greatest communicator. I just was always, you know what? Everything's fine. Everything's okay. You know, well, we'll deal with it. I don't get bothered by a lot. Mm. 
But then when you start to make sacrifices and not compromise where you mm-hmm. feel like you're giving, it creates a breaking point where I think the compromise and the self-help, I think that's actually a fantastic look at marriage and counseling and things like that. Honestly, I can sense your passion. You're just so passionate about it. I I think that there is no better time for a app and service like this because of the new generation of people. People that are meeting online, people that are getting matched up and getting everything seems to be electronic. But the word that I like to use is kind of automated. Mm -hmm. Everything is a service. So why not leverage what people are looking at all the time and leverage what people are spending a lot of time on? Being able to get help, I think, is a really great thing for couples. Mm. Amy and I are both proponents of help and counseling, and mm-hmm. it's because our whole marriage was founded on the counseling yeah. part. I want to hear about that. It was a little, <laughs> little unique, not knowing each other before marriage, but I never had a team of people that would help, and I think that mm-hmm. kind of where lasting comes in, too busy. Yeah, I love therapy. The whole company loves therapy, and so the point of the company is actually not to put any therapist out of business. We're gaga over therapists. Yeah. But, but what we recognized is that the majority of people that want to go to therapy actually don't end up going. You guys might know this data, but on average, you go to therapy six years after you see a problem happening in your relationship. By that amount of time, things have gone downhill. And so the barriers were cost, time, and actual therapist fits. There's a cost barrier. The nationwide average is $150 an hour. Scheduling between three people is a nightmare. And then the number one factor in a successful therapy relationship is actually the relationship with the therapist. You may have seen one, two, or three therapists and spent thousands of dollars before you actually find the person. And so with Lasting, we wanted to take away all those barriers and get people to counseling as fast as humanly possible. I always say that if we do our job right, the market size for therapy will just go up in general because we just want to get as many people doing something small as possible. So we put it out on our Instagram page, Hot Marriage Cool Parents. If someone could talk to you themselves, what would they want to ask you? So if you don't mind, I'm going to shoot out some questions from them. Okay. This is a really good question. How to speak to your spouse about mental health? He just doesn't get it. Mm. That's a loaded question. That is a great one. Yes. Of all of our subscribers, still to this date, only about 60% of them actually pair their app with their partners and do the counseling process together, even though one subscription comes with two spots. There's a barrier there as well to invite your own partner into a counseling experience. Let me just address one of the reasons. So one of the reasons why someone is hesitant to do counseling with their partner is because it makes issues more real. Humans will do anything to avoid being uncomfortable. And so if you're comfortable and if things are just okay, then you would rather things be okay forever than for things to dip into uncomfortable territory only to get to something truly great. And so to get someone to do counseling with you, really it all starts with you expressing your thoughts and feelings about the current state of affairs. How are things going? Your partner loves you. They're, they're not your enemy. They're in this with you. And we always say like point of conflict is not to win. It's to learn about your partner's perspective. So your partner is your advocate. Deep down, they long to connect with you more deeply. And if you said the following phrase or something like, honey, I would really love to do this app with you because I think things could be better. And here's specifically the things I think could be better. Like, I think we could be communicating better. I think we could be connecting more deeply, more consistently. But whatever you feel like is stuck and could move forward, write that out on a piece of paper. And then, this might sound crazy, practice that speech a few times. (laughs) There's amazing data from a guy named Dr. John Gottman that shows that 96% of the time, if you begin a conversation poorly, in terms of your words, your tone, your volume, it's going to go poorly. Like, it's going to end terribly. And so only 4% of the conversations that go poorly can end well. 
And Gottman also says, if you start poorly, what follows is not distinguishing healthy or unhealthy couples. Like it all looks the same, even if you're unhealthy or healthy. That's why I urge people to practice what they're going to say before they say it. <laughs> yeah, to make sure you start off on a good foot, you know. Yeah. Your power to sway everything from the get-go is enormous. Yeah. Some of the more important conversations that, that we've had, I think I've written down first. That's great. <laughs> no, that's actually a very good point, Doug. You yeah. do, he'll send me a text or he'll email me something yeah. like about me. And I'm like, just tell me. I'm like a wide open book. But like when you say to practice what you say first, because I am such like a word vomit kind of person, <laughs> not think before I speak. And so then I say something terrible that I'm not even meaning at all. And, yeah. But it's like over. Like I said something terrible and then Doug's like, what the heck? Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> terrible things. Yeah. And the process of revealing your, we call it your inner world. What's, what's up in here? The process of revealing that to each other and going back and forth is far more important than the actual outcome of any given situation. Regardless of what the compromise is, that process that led to it is just far more important because that leads to trust. It means regardless of what the situation is, you can talk vulnerably about it. And that's the more important thing. Absolutely. Okay. So we got another question for you. How do you keep the love alive after kids? And you're in the thick of it because you have a nine month old. Oh, yeah. Nine month old. Yeah. So I, I like to start here. We're on the same soup. <laughs> you guys have had kids. When you have kids, you're in the same soup. You don't get sleep. 70% of every couple in the whole country experiences this monster dip in marital satisfaction. So I just like to let people know that. That's oddly comforting to know that, even though it's a sad statistic. We all have the same struggle. And the struggle is, very specifically, you and your partner have both gone through this brain-shaping event. You're no longer the same people. I think one of the most common mistakes with new parents, straight up, is that they don't edit their lifestyle or the way they connect with each other post baby. You want to so badly cling on to what your life was like. And that's completely normal, by the way. It's not a bad thing. But you want to so badly cling on to it that you don't really thoughtfully and reflectfully edit your new life. Mm. And I would call that a rituals audit. So everyone listening, I love rituals audits. It's like, what do you do daily? What's your self-care routine? What are your dinners like? And what do you do weekly? Like what are on the weekends? And then what do you do monthly? What were those like before baby? What should they become in light of not having enough time, being tired all the time? So that's really step one is assessing how both of you have changed. And then once again, if something has changed negatively, it's just something you need to be really honest about. Again, <laughs> Doug, write it out. <laughs> <laughs> write it out so that you don't, it doesn't come out like, honey, I hate our life now. <laughs> and yeah. it's your fault because that's going to go really poorly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's step one. And there's lots of more steps in working out what lifelong love looks like. But again, that's the process, like continually taking a step back, assessing how your inner worlds have changed. Just a word to husbands out there. If you're in a homosexual relationship, your husband, or if you're in a heterosexual relationship, your wife, they have dramatically changed. And so I think oftentimes like men just try to be leaders because that's what they think they should do. This is the one time of life where you need to stop leading and you need to let your partner lead. Like you need to follow, you need to sprint after your partner into the world they just stepped into. Like it's your job. Yeah. <laughs> that's also a pitfall I find a lot of couples going to. That's just great advice. And, and I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of false expectations or maybe too many expectations going into certain things like kids. And I know in the beginning, everybody said, no, you're going to be so tired. You're not going to want to do this and not going to want to do that. And you can kind of follow or fall into that sort of thinking without just reacting to your mm -hmm. situation. I couldn't do what Jamie does with <laughs> me and, and how she, well, first I can't breastfeed. I probably could if I had to, but um, no. I... No, nope. <laughs> you can't do that, Doug. Sorry. I 
I can't. I don't think it's possible. No, I can't. I can't imagine doing as much as this woman does. Like she is incredible no, with what you. and how much she can do. Doug, you're very good at expressing appreciation. I listened to the last podcast, and you're just so good at it. Yeah, you caught the great. Yeah, <laughs> actually, you know what? I would say that he's working on it, right? Wouldn't you I say am. so? We 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 have talked about that yeah. a little bit. <laughs> That's great. I'm literally going to download your app right after this conversation because this is <laughs> lightning. Because I feel like you're taking all of the things that we know that we need to do and you mm-hmm. put it in one one area. And like you said, you've made it simple, which is also like we don't have 10 hours a day to focus on our marriage. We no. have like five minutes practically, which is sad. Totally. But like we need <laughs> five minutes. You know. No, no. We learned um, via my research hero, my favorite scientist ever. Um, his name is Dr. B.J. Fogg, but he was the first person in the United States who ran experiments on how technology can actually help us be healthier. Imagine like 1990s, he was far ahead of everybody else. Yeah. Everyone's like, technology, take it away from the kids. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, this can actually help us be healthier. And so he found, he's a behavior scientist, that we only actually do things, anything. You could actually, going to the grocery store, if three things happen in a single moment, you have the motivation to do it, you have the ability to do it, and then a trigger prompts the behavior. You're hungry, it's Thursday night, that's when you go grocery shopping, et cetera, et cetera. But if you didn't have a car, you couldn't go, so that takes away your ability. Literally, those three things have to happen for you to do anything, including do stuff in your marriage. And so I hear all the time, very motivated partners who can be good partners simply are not because they're not prompted to. And what is technology remarkably good at? At prompting us to do things. Oh, there's a notification <laughs> that pops on my phone every two seconds. <laughs> yes. One of the most popular features in the Lasting app is it took like a day to build. It always surprises me that sometimes the simplest things have the biggest impact. But you can literally tell Lasting to remind you to express appreciation at like eight in the morning or like noon. You can remind Lasting to tell you to ask about your partner's day in the evening. So Lasting literally just prompts me to do things throughout the day. And again, don't be embarrassed. You wouldn't do things unless you were prompted. Well, yeah. It becomes a habit after a little bit too, I'm sure. And, you know, it becomes more thought at that, at that point. That's awesome. That is incredible. How does Lasting capture a baseline? So if someone was just starting out, they know they need help, but maybe you're not aware of what you need help with. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a way that they, I know you mentioned a couple of the assessments in the beginning, mm-hmm. we're, we're, that's how we were matched up was because of these intense therapy assessments, mm-hmm. psychological, sexual, emotional. How does lasting get a sense of who you are? Yeah. So we always try to keep everything under five minutes just because we would just want to, again, make it simple, simple, simple. And so it starts out with a, a five minute assessment. It's as short as we could have gone. And we wanted to go even shorter, but it's 28 questions. It's like the, the sweet spot length for learning enough about you to get a really good sense of what your emotional needs are in the relationship. And the entire app is really based on attachment theory. It's that you, you both have a set of emotional needs because you're both emotionally dependent on one another in this relationship called marriage. And so um, I, th- I think dependence oftentimes gets a bad rap, but literally it's a normal thing. And the healthiest couples in the world are emotionally dependent on one another in healthy ways. Codependence is a different thing. But dependence is a good thing. The fact that you have two different sets of emotional needs, Lasting learns both of your sets and then overlaps your answers on top of one another to get a sense of where like the biggest needs are. Quick question though, because you said that some people, like some couples will only download it for themselves and they don't invite their partner. So Mm -hmm. is that like a huge disservice to them? You know, our efficacy rate when people use Lasting together as a couple is 94%. 94% of the couples that use it together report new relationship strengths, which is... The thing I love telling everybody. <laughs> That's ginormous. Thank you. I, I love it. It's the, the thing that gets me most excited about our product is that it works. When you use it as a, as a single, we call it single player mode. 
the efficacy rate is is high 70%. So it's like, it's not bad, but it's not, it's just not as good as using it together. Honestly, I just sit and think, why wouldn't you ask your partner to do it with you? Like, why do you want to do it by yourself? But that's, that's just not who I am. I would be like, Doug, do it with me. But maybe like the partner doesn't want to do it. And then at that point, I mean, what do you say for that? Yeah. And I think that in order to grow, you have to find yourself and get yourself healthy. I can, you know, it's almost yeah. like, you know, for some of the parenting too, it's like, make sure that you're healthy so you can be healthy for your kid. You know, if this is a starting point, you know, maybe it could be something that branches out and, you know, is a motivator, but I've been depressed. I know Jamie's been depressed. Anytime that someone said, you're depressed, you should do this. I fought it. I mm. fought any suggestion there. Like, oh, you want to do this? You want to do this? Chipper, chipper. And they would just like get away from me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me let me grow. And it wasn't until I started to work myself up to where I was healthy enough to have conversations, just meaningful, sub substantial conversations with people. Yeah. And I got myself to a point. So I guess the maybe the takeaway is if your partner doesn't want to download this and do it with don't you, don't force them. Don't force <laughs> them. Would you? Would you? Would you agree with that? Yeah. So I have two responses to this. The first is that. Using this as a counseling session. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The number one rule in app design, we'll start there, is that you can't influence people to do something they don't already want to do. So basically, it's a fool's errand to try and motivate healthy behavior. Like people are going to have that, that motivation or not. And so, like, part of our strategy is to tap into the people who are motivated to, to improve their relationship and they're motivated to change. But then, because we're dealing with couples, here's the second thing I'll say. And couples are fascinating. And so when one person changes, the other person is forced to change. That's a loaded comment. So let me, let me break it down a little bit. Um, <laughs> so that person can't not change. And so they'll see you changing. And you know, some couples have been married for a long, long time. And if you've been married for 10 years, 15 years, and your partner starts to change, regardless if it's healthy or not, that can be unsettling. And so the job of the therapist, the job of lasting is to actually, the tendency, if you're the one changing and it's scaring your partner or making them unsettled is to stop because you want them to feel comfortable. But the job of the therapist is actually to encourage you to keep changing while getting your partner to be comfortable with this new change. But that's why like you can't not change if your partner's changing. And so that's why I kind of like single player mode, even though I really want everyone to do it together. I don't mind single player mode because I recognize that if one person's actually changing, then the other person is likely to join. Yeah. Eventually. I'm happy to hear that, it, you know, it's not terrible if your partner doesn't want to do it with you. Mm -hmm. Don't be offended by that. Mm -hmm. And also I liked that you touched on that there's notifications because sometimes I will almost be like, this is not cool of me. And I probably shouldn't admit it out loud. Sometimes if some, if like I have to remind him to, for example, to tell me I look beautiful, this is like something, I feel like he doesn't tell me I look pretty enough. <laughs> he says he does it a little later, but I'm like, you know, you don't. I wrote it down. That, that's why I said Anyways, we're in a <laughs> our argument. I love it. But then like, if I say, oh, how do I look? And then he says, you look beautiful. And I'm like, oh, I wish you would just tell me I look beautiful. But like, maybe I should just, this is very enlightening to me because when you say, people need prompts, you know, like, you know, I never really thought of that before. And so anyways, yeah. thank you for, you are, you are a literal prompt to Doug. Yeah. I, but I'm like, do I have to prompt you in order for, for me, for you to tell me that I'm beautiful? I mean, and then if I answer the question, it's, it's less meaningful than if I brought it up myself. <laughs> We're back to the yeah. That's exactly our, that's our argument. That's yeah. So this, this could be interesting for you guys. So I like, to, I like to think about environment design as well. So there's like really famous uh, case studies, like when a grocery store wanted customers to buy more Coke, they'd put 
Coke in the line where you check out because then you have to look at it. What if I wanted to, and I'm, I've started to do this actually and it's made a world of a difference. What if I wanted to like actually talk to my wife or do other things when we're in bed together at night? <laughs> like my, if my phone's there, it's a giant distraction. I hate saying that out loud, but it actually is. And so now I put my phone charger in the living room. So I'm forced to charge my phone. Now I don't even see it in the bedroom. That's like just a tiny version of environment design. Another version of this is by the fridge. You could put like, tell Jamie she's beautiful. <laughs> like you could actually physically see a sign that says that and which would prompt a healthy baby. All of our listeners write, Jamie is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a really good point that you make for sure. So all of these little tidbits are all incorporated in the lasting app. Yeah, I, I am a walking lasting app. This is a, everything I'm telling you is inside the app. That's all. And I'm really happy that we have you on because it's one thing to, to create something like this, but it's also another thing to learn that the person behind it is doing the research. Right. It's not just someone saying, here are things out of a book. Life is changing. The technology is changing. The way people meet are changing. The way people can communicate are changing. And really, I'm, I'm a big fan of software. I'm, I'm in software sales. You have to grow with your environment. You have to grow with technology. And something like this, I feel, is something that really hit for me because it's something that, you know, I, I always think of, you know, <laughs> setting reminders for myself to say happy birthday, setting reminders for myself to, you know, congratulate somebody, you know, which it, it's, it's for me personally. And I wouldn't necessarily show people that I have that in my calendar. Oh, Remember to call this person to say thank you, you know, but it's taking that to the next level. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And from the get-go, we also partnered with a, a brilliant couples therapist named Liz. And so Liz and I kind of co-create everything together. We're both in the midst of these longitudinal studies. And then she's counseled hundreds of couples. So she's the one saying, actually, Steve, in the app, like I would say it's just like this to get the right answer from partner A. And I'd say it like that to get the right answer from partner B. We owe a lot to her as well. Her voice comes through in the app, which is really fun. That's, That's awesome. So we have a couple more questions for you real fast. Cool. How do you do date nights when you have two babies, literally no family to watch them? Oh man. Yeah, this, this is very common. Back to the dilemma I said earlier, you want your life to stay exactly the same. So there's these pre-baby, pre-baby number two rituals in your life. It could be a date night, which is a great ritual. And then there's post-baby and post-baby two life. And so you may not have as much time, energy, resources, or money for date nights in the form they took before, but you certainly still have some time, some money, some resources left. So it just needs to change. It needs to look different in this phase of life. You know, I'm not sure if uh, this person is close to family or they have a friend or someone who loves their marriage and wants to babysit for free <laughs> for 30 minutes while they go have an ice cream on the corner. But basically, you need to think about it in different terms now and as well as have an honest conversation with your partner about what date nights could or could not look like in this current form. Your partner also wants to connect and have date nights and so they can help you troubleshoot. Yeah. One of our friends actually told me that a great way to get a free sitter, because the sitters are expensive. Join a gym. Mm -hmm. now, well, join a mommy group and then become friends with another mommy. Mm -hmm. And then you do free daycare for that mommy and have mm -hmm. a date night and then vice versa. So then twice a month, you guys have a date night. That's so good. It's time to get creative with date night. Date night's important. You can definitely do them for free. <laughs> yeah. Another thought, I know it sounds kind of crazy. When your kids go to bed, what are you doing? Are you disconnecting mm -hmm. or are you just both on separate apps or computers or TVs or whatever? 
or are you taking advantage of that time to really have quality, intimate time together? And I say that as if I'm a pro. I'm not a pro, but I'm learning or myself. Or beat your wife and skip them. <laughs> Sounds so silly, but you know, it's a way to connect. Jamie, I love it. Reframing date night, that's the takeaway. I love it. Absolutely. That's the takeaway. This is a really good one. And I think this is also very relatable to a lot of people. All right. How do you create boundaries with the in-laws? And then she wrote in parentheses, surprise visits. Ooh, surprise visits. Wow. You're two unique individuals. Well, when you form a relationship with someone, there's this third unique entity that forms. And we call that the we as compared to the me. The we is the main concept to consider when you're thinking about how to fend off in-laws. Nothing is more important than your relationship's sense of we. That comes first. What does not come first is someone siding with mom or dad. What comes first is your partner. The first step, I'm going to sound like a broken record, <laughs> reflecting thoughtfully, telling your partner exactly the way you feel and think about your in-laws. It could be your mom and dad. Literally, the assumption is the we is the more important thing than the family, which it is. Then you can game plan with each other around, okay, when mom or dad does X, our collective response is going to be this. Another common pitfall is when you're with mom and dad, you start acting different. When we polled our audience, 80% of our audience, one partner acts different around their family than they act with their partner usually. Wow. So when your partner starts acting different in general, you freak out. So don't act different, stay the same. Use phrases like us and we, not I think this or my partner thinks this, we think about this. Show that you have a united front and hopefully start fending off people. I love that. Where yeah. you, we don't ever do that, Doug, but we should start doing Even though I that. may mean it, I don't say it that way. You mm -hmm. have to, because then when you have a united front, there's no questions asked. We both mm -hmm. are on the same page. Mm -hmm. like, not uncomfortable for anybody, really, because yeah. we're yeah. On, on this together mm -hmm. and it's not offensive. It's just how we feel. Love that. That's such a great tip. If people want to download this app, where do they go? Yes, either App Store for iPhone or Android, Apple or Google Play. Just search for Lasting. And then if you want to visit our website and learn more, it's getlasting.com, G-E-T, lasting, because the joker that owns lasting.com wants like $100,000. <laughs> and how did you come up with the name Lasting? You know, I actually thought of the name before I thought of the product. I don't love names like Facebook or Instagram. Call me old-fashioned. I just like normal words. <laughs> so the word lasting also is just jam-packed. Like there's lots of lasting marriage research. You know, we're a scientific company, so we kind of wanted that to boil all the way down to the brand level itself. This is how your relationship does last. We want it to mean something. I feel like it's words of positive affirmation. Speaking into the universe every time you talk about it and you say lasting, yeah. putting it out into the universe. Yeah. Last. Yeah, we're, we're lasting. It's also like a verb. Yeah, yeah. love yeah. it. Can we find you anyplace else? To be honest, my Instagram, this might be shocking, is just one of those private ones. I'll be vulnerable with your audience. You know, Lasting's doing really well. We think this could be a global company. But if it becomes that, I'm wrestling with if I want my wife's and my relationship to be like in the center. I don't really want it to be. I'm kind of resisting it, but it may be an inevitability. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, don't change who you are. And it, regardless, you're going to be successful. I have faith that you're going to turn out on top. You're going to be okay. You're so, so. sweet. <laughs> Don't change your ways and thank Definitely you. Stay passionate. Oh, passionate yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love your passion. You like breathe it into <laughs> the room. Well, listen, thank you so much. I know you have precious time with the baby. Like, you only get so much free time. So, thank you for spending some of it with us and sharing so much wisdom with our listeners. Uh, my pleasure. This has been a blast. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. So good to meet you. Thank yes, you so much for you. coming on. Wow. I knew that this was an amazing app. You know, I've heard about it before, even having them on our podcast. And I don't know why I haven't downloaded it, Doug. We are going to download this app right yeah. now. Well, and I mean, when you get into touching like millions of people, like that is huge. Yeah. No, but like I said earlier, like 
why don't we do this instead of watching TV and playing video games? Like, let's, I really do. I think you're thinking that, that TV and that is the enemy. It's not the enemy. I'm not saying it's the enemy, but I'm saying that I want to connect with you more, Doug. I'm just saying, don't, don't think of it as the enemy because that's just how some people escape. Yeah, but let's escape into each other's arms. Yeah, Doug. we could do that. <laughs> All right, we'll continue arguing about this without <laughs> without you having to hear us argue. But thank you, Steve, so much for being on. Yes, thank you, Steve. And thank you for creating this app because I, I'm genuinely downloading it right now and I'm going to make Douglas. And yeah, I'm going to set five-minute reminders. Yeah, and we're going to escape into each other's arms instead of yes. technology. <laughs> we're throwing Next away week, our TVs. <laughs> Next week we have... Dun, dun, dun. Big Doug and Bonnie on. So excited for them. Oh, they are a riot. And we threw it out on Hot Marriage Cool Parents, the Instagram. We threw it out there to see what kind of question you would yeah. want answered. Thank you for sending those. Yeah, out. thank you so much for being so interactive with us. Like, we absolutely love you. Seriously. Like, I absolutely love getting to know you and spending time with you each week. And like I said earlier in this show, we do read every review. So if you want to, you know, take a moment and if, if you have a moment to just leave a review on whatever platform, we'll right. highlight your review on an upcoming episode. And if you happen to just be on Instagram and you take a selfie or a you know screenshot listening to this and tag at Jamie and Otis or at Marriage Cool Parents, I will search for you because I want to get to know you. We'll but, find you. Yeah. So thanks for sending in the questions. We read them all. And one of the really popular questions was how did you know Doug and Bonnie react to us being married at first sight? And did they accept me immediately? And that is like in, it is up for debate and it's a controversial topic in the Hainer house because Bonnie is amazing first and foremost. I absolutely love my mother-in-law, but she wasn't always easy. She's a mother-in-law. That's like, I mean, yeah. she, she doesn't want to admit that out loud and you know, and I don't, I don't blame her, but she's also a mom trying to protect her son. So she was very skeptical of me. And, um, you know, five years later, we're here to hash it out on the, the podcast. <laughs> hash it out. We're hashing it out. But all right, guys, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.